Power Rangers know how to party. <laughs> Power Rangers know how to party. In the city of Blue Bay Harbor. In the city of Angel Grove. We keep it rocking. We, we keep, keep it rocking. Shake it, shake it, baby. Rangers and residents of Blue Bay Harbor, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I'm your host, Grav, and with me is my ever so lovely comrade, Kennedy. Hello, hello, hello. Three of We them. keeping it West Coast? Can't, do we want to do that? welcome everybody to the season review of power rangers ninja storm the first season as we've said before of the disney era and what a crazy season it's been truly truly something very interesting in my opinion kind of special and uh it's interesting because i'm not a Disney fan. I want to get that out of the way right away. Like I, I don't really like Disney movies. There aren't, there isn't like a a Disney movie that is super near and dear to my heart. Like some millennials. Uh, I was never a Disney kid. Like I think like I like Disney movies, like animated movies that made it to theaters, right? Like I like Hercules. Yeah, I like, like a few King. of them. I'm, it's not like it's not like I never watched Tarzan. a Disney movie, especially as a kid. And yeah. was like, yeah, this is good. And if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be like Mulan. Yeah, Mulan's pretty good. Um, uh, Lilo and Stitch. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, I like uh, that stuff. Um, But, like, Disney Channel, to me, like, that was not a thing, right? Because, like, you needed, like, premium cable for the Disney Channel. And a large part of my childhood didn't have that. But I had Cartoon Network and I had Nickelodeon. So that's what I watched. Also, like... Disney Channel had real life like kid actors and I wasn't about that because I was like why would I want to get reminded with real life when I could just watch animation that's fantastical you know now I think the use of like actual aged actors on the Disney Channel was actually a great move in some ways because there's been just like an over tendency of like which we've talked about a few times on this show of like shows, especially in the nineties, just being like this 31 year old is in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. So like, I don't even necessarily mind all that, but for me, I like, I just don't really often like sort of the tropes and storytelling and stuff of Disney. So I just wanted to get this out of the way in particular, not for like some hipster reason, but in particular to emphasize that like I don't like this season because they Disneyed it up. In fact, like at times that's one of the few things that ever detracts from an otherwise, in my opinion, really, really maybe controversially, we'll see at the end, good season. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I'm really glad that I watched this. This is kind of like one of those moments where like this was a season I think I always kind of wanted to watch. Mhm. And especially when we were doing this show because I remember it being polarizing when I was a kid. 
because you know apparently like even on the wiki it says that critical reception at first was polarizing because of such a lighthearted story but then it became like sort of like a, a it was like a commercial success which indicates that the toy sales were good and also that the the show ended up being really good too to the and viewers as time went on towards not not necessarily like really like grim but sort of i don't know mid-hearted like it it, it starts really lighthearted in tone at first in a lot of ways but they sort of over the course of the season drag it slightly more towards like i don't know like sort of a power ranger zeo kind of vibe where it's like sort of lighthearted, but then also sometimes there's some slightly thoughtful stuff <laughs> yeah, I agree. And the fact that this was also a short season, and by short season, I mean like, fuck, man, this is like the first season we've watched in a while that's under 29 episodes that we've had to watch. Yeah. I mean, we did increase, we're going to talk about it, but I am going to increase the amount of episodes to that that is non-filler to 27 out of 38 versus the 25 uh, after <laughs> we finish recording this. And this um, is definitely a season when we finally do our, like, let's go back and and dig through filler of certain seasons looking for gems. This is going to be, like, at the top of my list, probably. Because with that many unwatched episodes, I am curious to just peek through them and see if there's anything kind of hiding in there. Well, yeah, I think I caught one of the, the filler filler episodes. And I was still like having a fun time watching it. <laughs> like I watched the first seven minutes. I was like, wait, I think this is a filler episode because the numbering's off. And it turns out it was a filler episode, but I was like, it's still kind of fun. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I I very much enjoyed this season a lot. And I, I think I I like I started liking it more as time went on for sure. So yeah, I think as a kid it kind of sucked that the time slot was bad because I think I would have stuck through it too. Uh, especially since I stuck through the cam stuff, especially at that point. Um, but I think also we'll talk about it. Uh, but I think I, I've also have like a new appreciation for the cam character. Yeah, as a uh, being an older person getting back into Power Rangers versus being a kid at the time. I've had to kind of figure out you know where exactly i stopped watching the power rangers originally i kind of thought it was in one place and then as we've like gone on like i've kind of had these vague recollections and things and so eventually i kind of realized that like time force was when i was mostly like ceasing to watch and then watching wild force provoked like a vague memory like i had seen it maybe once and just been like fuck no um <laughs> you know yeah uh, uh, like something about it did seem vaguely familiar. Some of the Zords and the suits, but just only barely. Um, this was totally foreign territory. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of sorry that I didn't stick with it a little bit, you know, because like, I feel like uh, even though I would have been a little old for it in some ways by the time it came out, like I still only would have been like 13. And like, I think I could have had a good time with this season. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I obviously we have a lot more to say, but I really want to get into the episodes just because like if the minute I start talking about anything else, I'm just going to start spoiling stuff. Yeah, we so, might as well do it at least slightly sequentially, even if it's a season review and we do what we do. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, prelude to a Storm and There's No I in Team, we covered in the intro episodes. We did enjoy them quite a bit. Uh, prelude to a Storm was very lighthearted, and uh, I could see why I didn't like it when I was a kid uh, that much, especially in comparison to the rest of the season. Because pretty much after the first two episodes, and we get further along as the season goes, it kind of straight up just gets like more serious in tone after these and, first two episodes. Like pretty much immediately in the in the in this viewer guy, Looming Thunder, in itself starts to get like more and more serious tonally. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... Ultimately, there's only a handful of episodes that kind of don't make enough sense is really what it comes down to for me. Um, and Prelude to a Storm, like they sort of set it up. And by the end of it, you're like, yeah, sure. I'm on board with what's happening. But you did not actually explain this super well. Yeah. You yeah, know I what can I definitely mean? see that. Mm -hmm. Like... <laughs> Because there's just so much weird shit that get, that goes on and isn't really properly addressed or, like, adequately, I don't know. Like, they, they want to have, like, a whole twist with, like, initially it seems like these are three normal teens and then they turn out to be ninjas. And that's fine, potentially, but because of doing that in a, a show that's so short... It cuts out on time when we should have learned about why they're ninjas, right? Or something along those lines. Like, when we learn a little bit later about that stuff, it's really interesting. Like, adds a lot to the season. So it's like, it's unfortunate that they didn't at least drop some hints at it in the first episode. They didn't necessarily need to get into the full backstory of these characters and why they are the way they are, etc. But they should have dropped more hints about why these characters were the way they were, why things uh, ended up the way that they did um, by the end of the episode with like the temple being destroyed, Sensei being a guinea pig, you know, Lothor showing up, like Cam having a sort of like more complicated role around the temple than it seems. Like there were so many unanswered questions and to an extent that's good, except that the way I'm presenting it is better in some ways than what you really get, right? Because it's like you have to sort of tease those questions out. And I think that was like, that was where not, I, I, wanted, I wanted to emphasize this because that's where this season falls short occasionally in general. Occasionally they forget what they're doing. And just slap in some Disney show nonsense and get a little nonsensical, even by the standards of, you know, the Power Rangers and what is allowable here. And they lose the plot a bit. And those are the, the only sort of kind of bad episodes. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of that episode, we have Looming Thunder comes in right after. Mm -hmm. And Looming Thunder we picked mostly because... It was kind of janky of a setup, right? Because yeah. like the main part about this was that the the Navy and Crimson Ranger come onto the scene, become friends with Dustin, the Yellow Ranger, and you know betray him and steal a data disk that Dustin have Dustin has from Cam, and 
they end up using this data to form their own Zords, uh, which of course plays in the next the next three parter. But it was very janky, like this whole backpack getting lost thing and not keeping track of it, and and all this other stuff. It's like that's irresponsible, but like that's wholly irresponsible to an extent that's almost unbelievable of somebody who is a ranger almost yeah, and, and you and never really see dustin be this type of clumsy or forgetful ever again that's what i was gonna say first of all it's over the top even for his character yes dustin is the uh dude where's my car stoner of this season like they he's they very much want this season to have a good vibes at the beach and we're probably high kind of like feeling to it you know they're not going to say that explicitly but it's like scooby-doo where it's like these guys are smoking pot right like you know Um, (laughs) and uh uh dustin in particular is like the goofy stoner guy a lot during the season but he's never this forgetful or irresponsible and also they don't make a big enough deal out of it and also they don't piece together the puzzle. Now, yeah. if the conclusion of this or even the next episode would, was that Dustin realizes the only place my backpack could have gone missing was with the Thunder Rangers at the track, which, of course, he doesn't know the Thunder Rangers yet, but I'm just... then like, And, like, like, pieces that together and that's what advances the plot, then it would have been a little better, but that's not what happens. Yeah. So, um... It's not like this is a mystery that gets solved or something like that. And so it's just relatively incongruous with the level of storytelling in the season and with Dustin's character and stuff. And that just overall, that's why we had to pick it for worse. It's not because it's terrible, you know, because there's really nothing that we watched this season that was terrible at all. This is like a six and this is our worst pick. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if there's anything that's the strongest about this season it's that every episode is consistently at least good right Mm -hmm. um like looming thunder being our worst pick i wouldn't even say i had a bad time watching it because even though dustin's like actions and stuff was completely inconsistent with the character still you had fun with watching lothor and the villains in that episode so, like, that completely compensated for all the bad parts. Also, there was an interesting character development between Dustin and Shane. And Shane has this issue that comes through as the, the season goes forward where Shane takes being a Power Ranger too seriously in contrast with everyone else, right? Like, in previous seasons, everybody kind of took the fact that they were a Power Ranger very seriously. And there was moments of like having fun and stuff. This one, it's mostly like vibes and having fun and being a ranger. Mm-hmm. Whereas Shane in There's No Eye in Team, and then you see it a bit in Looming Thunder, like he takes it way too seriously. Yeah. And it fa- to a fault, it faults the character for a long time as the season goes on. It's interesting because um, it's like it's almost a critique of the previous seasons through Shane. Like, I don't know if that's intentional or anything, to be clear, but it's kind of like, 
like in, in some of our the previous seasons that we've watched being a power ranger doesn't leave time for anything else even wild force was like this as lackadaisical and like whimsical as it was in a lot of ways it was also the like being the power ranger is the military it's your life it's the everything yeah wild force was more so like that than even lost galaxy was and lost galaxy was like military conscription but it was just like in lost galaxy when they weren't being arrangers, they were just sitting out in a field and and so here you have relaxed. this season where like most of the rangers are like let's go sit on the grass and get high and throw a frisbee around and if a monster attacks we'll deal with it but otherwise the sun's out dog and and yeah Shane, it's motocross time <laughs> shane is like we gotta take this seriously and occasionally cam also does a little of this too which is good because it's good that it's not just one character doing cam that is also conflict. allowed to do it because cam is also like he's the princess shayla the zordon s character where he's able to like use his computer systems to detect if blue bay harbor is getting attacked or if the world is getting attacked right so that makes sense but, but even like, Cam, they learn, is uh, overly uptight for a reason, and they start pushing back on him because they figure that out. <laughs> yeah, and Cam takes it in stride. You and know, Cam, Cam realizes, just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a choice, there's a choice uh, dialogue conversation in Looming Thunder, though, that I thought was interesting, which added some further uh, character development between Dustin and Shane's dynamic, where Shane has had friends who I guess are more acquaintances in like the skateboarding field or whatever that he's in where Dustin was like, I got two new friends now. And Shane's like, dude, I don't know if those friends are actually your friends or if they're just like trying to like get something out of you. And Dustin's like, lay off Shane. Like I, I don't say shit about your friends at all outside of us two because, and they're like fucking shitheads. So that was like a really interesting character dynamic. Unfortunately, that doesn't like actually play out because you never actually see Shane's acquaintances acting really shitty towards him or something like that. Though, who knows? It might be in filler. Who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely one of the more interesting uh, conversations that was in there that I thought needed to be brought up in terms of the season. Next, we well, get Thunderstream. I want to dig into that a little further because specifically, he calls Shane's friends posers. And I think this is kind of interesting because Dustin's relationship with motocross, even though all three Rangers have a relationship with extreme sports that helps explain who we are, Dustin's relationship with motocross is a lot more serious and complicated. Than Shane's relationship with skateboarding um, or Tori's relationship with surfing. So, whereas both Shane and Tori seem to just basically mostly have a laid back time with their sport of choice in general, and also like if they do want to like achieve some goal with it, they just generally do pretty easily. Dustin is frequently held back in his goals and has to work even harder to get there with the motocross stuff. And also like his motocross community is like more present and like clearly there and like a part of his life and things like that. 
And so when he calls Shane's friends posers, I think it's actually kind of interesting, right? Because like Shane's friends who skateboard with him, they just hang out and fuck around and skateboard. And like, yeah, Shane's a little bit competitive about it. Some are, so are some of the others, but none of them really seem to have to try hard, like I said. But Dustin's in this scene where like he's being turned down to do tournaments in favor of the Thunder Twins and things like that. And he's like, God damn it, I got to get better so that I get picked. You know, it's like a whole yeah. different. I, I just feel like there's a dynamic between them that's really complicated because of that, like difference in their sort of world of sports and how they're where they're sort of at in it and what their friends are like in it. And I think that scene is it's not just a throwaway. That's like a meaningful exchange on a lot of levels. Yeah. Next up, we have Return of Thunder. Or, I'm sorry, next up we have Thunder Strangers. This is the arc that's like, hey, the Crimson Ranger and the Navy Ranger who are evil, they gotta, like, stop being evil to become good. It's a classic sort of, like, good uh, bad guy turned good sort of Power Ranger arc that we see. And basically, Lothor uh, trapped all of, like, the Thunder Academy and stuff, but convinced the two thunder rangers that he's the good guy <laughs> mm-hmm. and that the 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 wind academy and what's left of that are the ones that attacked the thunder academy and not they're responsible Lothar. yeah yeah and so so it's sort of a little bit of a callback to in space yeah, it, yeah. it's it's pretty good uh yeah, there's no, i wouldn't good, say there's anything good. like yeah there's nothing anything bad about it really it's Pretty good episodes. We're talking like sevens and eights all around. This uh, is when I started to realize that most of this season is multi-part episodes, which was an unexpected shift. I love that fact. <laughs> yeah, I was. I love the fact that overall, it's and it worked well overall. But it was it was a bit of a shock because saban era power rangers towards the end had leaned away from that so hard and basically leaned into this style of every single episode you know kind of stands on its own but is also like somewhat linked to other things and there's these continuing plots but most of it is just contained and like occasionally there's a two-parter and if there's a three-parter that's a rare occurrence and that was like the norm by the end and then uh it's interesting because this is like almost a throwback to the old days when it was like the show was always like here's another five parter <laughs> you know yeah, yeah yeah the thunder strangers also kind of reveals this uh, something called like the gem of souls mm-hmm. where this is essentially just a big plot device but it kind of reveals that like their parents died and that they were kind of sort of like trapped within that gem of souls and now they're free to like enter into the afterlife and Lothor like destroys it and the beam kind of gets like bounced back to Lothor and Lothor just escapes using his ninjutsu and that stuff's all pretty cool it has the classic like thunder rangers infiltrate the base and and uh kidnap the sensei and like they got it all you know battle it out duke it out and then convince convince the thunder rangers to fight for the side of good but at the end of this the thunder rangers don't necessarily immediately join the rangers they have to go like think about it for a bit yeah right and then we go into nowhere to grow 
this was close to being a pick for best episode for me. <laughs> this episode is <laughs> wild. Uh, this episode revolves around a plant creature. There's some disguises going on in this episode. There's some choice scenes in this episode. <laughs> They're very sexually suggestive. This is yeah, this is a horny ep. There's a few horny eps this season. It's, this is like uh, Wild Forest was like explicitly chased. This one is like horny town Power Rangers. I'm talking like uh <laughs> Tori has like a power where she can control water, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and that is like able to fend off some vines to like help get her out of her being captured with Cam. And the way they decided to film that was like Tori laying on the ground and like groaning, trying to like direct her water power. And then it just shows a scene where there's like water like gushing from the bottom up to like attack a plant vine to get her free and this happens it's like much. twice it's too much <laughs> uh i also like the fact that this explores cam's character right because it's up to cam to kind of save the day as the rangers get captured from the the botanist uh villain of this this episode and it's kind of revealed that um cam's father the sensei uh, spoke with the mother and kind of agreed and like he made her like a sort of dying wish promise of being like hey don't train our son to be a ranger you know have him live like a peaceful life that's not I have violent theories about this that we'll have to get into a little later yeah it's gonna it's gonna play into a, a later episode but as the episode ends uh cam kind of saves the day and the sensei is all like Yo, Cam, you go out and train with the Rangers as well. We're going to train you to be a Ranger. And we'll, we'll figure out some sort of power for you as time goes on. Which is like, it's a good, it's a good ending because especially they really frame it as like, a, you know, you have to become your own person. And like even someone really wise, you know, has things that they can't see clearly. And, they, you know, there's just like a lot of like, really good development for the sensei for cam you know in all of that and and it's just good storytelling you know it's just like a good message of like yeah this is something that you know people go through in life is sometimes your parents think you're making the wrong choices about where you're going in life but you know that there's, you know, one particular thing that you should be doing. And Cam should be a Power Ranger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And and the it's cool so thing about obvious, this. Like, they build it up so many times where, like, literally Cam will bail out Power Rangers with no powers. Just, like, kicking ass. And, like, it's clear that, like, Cam with no powers can fight almost as good as some of these rangers in their suits because he is that well trained and like takes it that seriously you know so it's just yeah. like it's really built up over and over again that like cam would make an amazing power ranger you yourself as the viewer will naturally have this thought before they even like say it out loud yeah at this point like of the show 
Cam is Billy in Power Rangers Zeo, right? Where where it's like doing the whole Zords thing, doing the whole like te- uh, creating technology to help the Rangers and providing aerial assistance. And then Cam's like, Cam has to help the Rangers out and get them out of this pickle. But Cam also starts whipping ass. And they're all like, Cam, we didn't know you know Kung Fu. And Cam's like, I'm the son of the sensei. <laughs> what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> Do you have brains? <laughs> Next up, we have Return of Thunder, which sees the Thunder Rangers after taking a prolonged sort of vacation and finding themselves out in the world and smoking more weed. Uh, they decide to finally be like, okay, yeah, we do want to be rangers. But somebody's got a plan this time, and it's not Zergain or Lothor. It's Chubo. Chubo! The unexpected fucking just 10 out of 10 character this season. Yeah. <laughs> you don't so see Chubo... it coming. Chubo, really inconspicuous at first. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Chubo, like, Chubo comes out from left field and is like, hey, actually, I'm a really powerful general and I just never gave it some thought. So let me concoct this plan to, like, basically put put some goo on the Thunder Rangers to make them evil and, and uh, see the Rangers as nothing but evil and, and convince them that I'm their best friend and not the Power Rangers. For the most part, this all works. In fact, I was considering one of these Return of Thunder episodes to be the best. They're pretty Mostly, good overall, yeah. Yeah. I was considering like part two of this episode to be really good. Um, but for the most part, it's all excellent. Like Chubo basically concocts like a plan of global cooling and like sinking an island in a far off area, transporting all the rangers there. And fucking them up really good. And uh, eventually, of course, by the end of Return of Thunder, we see Chubo get trounced at the very end. But, like, he also, there seems to be, this is like the first, this is the first arc where you see Lothor punishing the generals for not doing a good job. And the generals trying to, like, either suck up to Lothor or try and get revenge on Lothor. And Lothor is just too powerful (laughs) by the end of all this, right? Because Chubo, as good of a general as Chubo was, who just kind of like Majin booed his way to victory at certain points of this arc, uh, (laughs) straight up just uh, gets turned into a little pet for the for the the Cali nieces and uh you come to realize that Luthor is much stronger than he's letting on because Chubo really gave the Rangers a run for their money in this arc yeah it's it's uh there's a lot of surprising turns of events here and yeah Lothor you come to discover is a little like uh, a Frieza type villain in that um he rules by fear he's very powerful and 
his policy is basically if you talk shit, you get hit. Um, there's no room for discussion, really. And I, I, that's honestly something that works really well for his character because he can't smack his nieces around. So, like, that ends up being, like, one of the really funny things over the course of the season and, like, constant sources of, like, comic relief and entertainment is that, like, he can beat up his generals and, like, turn them small or banish them somewhere weird or whatever, but he can't do that to his beloved nieces no matter how much they annoy him, even though, like, theoretically... Pretty much everyone else that interacts with Lothor is super fucking afraid of him. And that's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Return of Thunder was great. I do like the fact that, you know, Bad Ranger turned good wasn't in Thunder Strangers, right? Like, they gave it some time. They let it breathe a little bit more. It added to Blake and Hunter's character, the Navy Ranger and the Crimson Ranger. Uh, I like the designs too. I think I haven't mentioned that yet, but I do like the designs of the the Navy and Crimson Ranger. I think it's really cool. It's, it's a little bit very... more Beetleborgy, but it's great. <laughs> it's a ta- it's a tad bit Beetleborgy, but not so much that it's offensive to me. Um, and I, I I definitely like it. Um, uh, you know I hate the Beetleborgs. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah that. That that's overall like pretty good stuff. And yeah, I like that um, you know, they go take their time to like try to find themselves. First of all, that's just good in general. And then I I like second of all that, you know, they don't just come back because they felt like it. They come back because they sort of get pulled back in and they realize, you know, we're gonna keep getting pulled back in. Um, and yeah. we we should help. Because it's going to keep affecting us. Um, But also at the same time as they're learning that more basic personal message, they're also learning that, you know, we also kind of have this responsibility um, and like this power to make things better. Um, And they and by the end of it, they really like they say that, you know, they're like, hey, because the Rangers aren't sure that the Thunder Rangers are going to stay even by the end of this arc. They're like, yeah. so uh, y'all gonna just, uh, you know, get out of town again or whatever? Um, and the Thunder Rangers are like, you know, we've been thinking about it and uh, we've got work that we need to do. And that's Power Ranger work with you guys. Yeah, it's a really sweet moment. So the next up we have is the Samurai's Journey. And this is it, right? So in... This is the shit. This is yeah. This is in wild. Return of Thunder, in Return of Thunder, during the second part of the episode, Dustin tells Tori, "Maybe the two of them could give up Shane for a Green Ranger." <laughs> and I'm like, eh, "You guys find out. It's gonna be Pog." <laughs> <laughs> and we've already selected the Samurai's Journey Part Two and Part Three uh, for the best of episodes. But Cam is the fucking shit. Like, Cam is so great. I love Cam. I I like him a lot, even if he isn't necessarily my absolute favorite character this season, which I'm still honestly pondering it even as we record this a little bit, like because I'm torn between a few options. But he is amazing and this this arc is really 
just like this kills even if kim sucked at every other episode this arc would be amazing you know what i mean like which yeah. he doesn't or anything but i'm just saying like like it's just this is just really really awesome i'm gonna be honest <laughs> i think cam is probably the best out of all of them and i think from this moment forward from the samurai's journey especially with the introduction of cyber cam which also adds to Cam's character because Cam came up with a hologram that's combined with his like shadow clone jutsu, so he can give it like a physical sort of manifestation as well. Yeah. And like it has its own personality, and that actor is also doing like a sort of like sarcastic tech bro character, but as <laughs> like a hologram while also being this really cool billy and tommy fusion green ranger Cybercam is amazing Cybercam is like he's like a he's like a workaholics power ranger <laughs> <laughs> i had to think of struggle to think of the name because i don't really like that show that much or anything but that is the vibe you know he's like he's like if a power ranger uh went on the league after <laughs> uh, you know, like a show, a show like that, you know, just yeah. like just some total like bro uh, energy. And it's so funny. Uh, and it's definitely like uh, Cybercam is like his way of hinting to his dad that he smokes weed. Yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, you know, I just programmed Cybercam to be a little as an experiment, <laughs> dad. Um, <laughs> and Cyber Cam also gives the other ranger shit because he knows that he can't, he could get away with it because what are they going to fucking do? Punch a hologram? <laughs> yeah, get mad at a robot? Yeah. It's um, great. I love it. And like, dude, the Green Ranger powers are pog as shit. Yes. When he goes like, Digistore samurai form or whatever and he turns into it and then the power up that he gets where he's just like he takes off his piccolo ass vest and then rotates the helmet with the sword i thought that that was so cool i there's such a strong design yeah it's a really i mean this really harkens back to the original green ranger in a good way but it's also its own thing and in some ways it's kind of cooler like yeah it's really good and also like this whole arc with cam getting the amulet through time travel meeting his mom learning that lothar is his uncle um learning that when you become a great sensei you go from being asian to being black <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a very transracial uh, <laughs> uh, season. Like I'm not upset necessarily. It's just a very bizarre thing that goes on this season. <laughs> um, uh, that that's yeah. not like something that they heavily imply or anything. It's just that the actors that they use. It's like all of Cam's relatives when they're young are clearly like, um uh more like uh korean or japanese looking um and then his older relatives are all like just like don't 
look the same. That's yeah. all I can say. It's just a really, it's a really interesting casting choice. I don't well, know. When you become a master sensei, <laughs> uh, you, you just, you just turn black apparently. But then, but then what you made that joke, but then what really made it funny was that their sensei in the time travel is black too. So yeah. it's like, you said that, but it's like, is it true? I it don't is, know. apparently. <laughs> that was really funny, though. Yeah, because, like, even in the the previous sensei was also black. So, it's just, and Cam's father is Asian, but when Cam's father gets older, he becomes black. And then his uncle also becomes black. I Except also the- maybe Mexican, too? Like Afro Latino because he has the luchador getup, so I don't know. It's really weird. It's complicated. It's um, what happens when the dark powers consume. I you. I do love the time travel sensei. Yes. Um, he has this great demeanor. It's very funny because like he has this like Brooklyn school teacher accent that <laughs> does not fit in with everybody else. Everybody's <laughs> accent like changes as the season goes on. It's clear that like the director vaguely instructs them to sound as much as they can like they're in California and then they just move on and hope for the best. Yeah. It's actually interesting though because this season has the a lot of diversity in the casting, not just in the sense of like Oh, what's everybody's skin color? But like, even on like a more deeper level too, of like, it actually is like a global cast of actors from different places. You got whereas, Aussies, like, these Canadians, Samoan, Brazilians, Brazilian. That's great. Yeah, it's really interesting and really cool. Um, and so you end up with the you do end up. If you if you listen to it even a little bit, you'll notice that there is this like accents all over the place thing by comparison to previous seasons. But I think it's kind of cool to have all these different people together. And it it adds to the multicultural international feel of Power Rangers that it has at its best of times. And that it had kind of lost even in some of the good recent seasons. Like, let's be real, Time Force felt like America. We kind of addressed that a little. Yeah. Um, this season feels like a little like how MMPR, you really felt like these people were the global defenders. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think that the the multiculturalism of the casting uh, unconsciously adds a little bit of extra, you know, to that. Because you have this legitimately interesting cast that, like I say... You know, in previous seasons, we might have, you know, people of different ethnicities, but they're all from America, pretty much. And so <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's still it's still a difference. It, and uh, I don't know. I thought it was cool. It also you got the sense that all of these actors, because Disney chose to, like, move this out of America and make this into like a sort of international production, that all of these actors were like hyper excited to get this particular job because it's like to them they're getting a job that had previously been held by people that you know they could never compete with because it like was actually being shot in california and like they were doing all the casting there and there just wasn't really a chance for you you know what i mean 
Yeah. So like, I don't know. I think you definitely got some very strong acting this season. And I think it's partially because these were just some really happy to be their actors compared to other seasons. And it probably also helps that even as bad as Disney is, they probably treat their workers better than Saban. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. Goodwill Hunter is the next episode that we have on the list. Um, it's currently not on the viewer guide, but mostly it's it's not filler because two reasons. Chubo goes from being the pet to the the Cali nieces to being regular sized again, and that mm-hmm. kind of like all of a sudden, like we cut into like a later episode, and we're like, wait, how did Chubo like stop being small again? And it's from this episode, and also Hunter. Hunter gets some like important character development that without this kind of makes a later episode worse yeah agree it also like to be fair hunter kind of needed it like is as a character episode, hunter isn't that strong is this episode a hundred percent necessary to watch uh, but i i kind of lean towards including it yeah i lean towards including it not only just because of those two reasons but it's also not like it's not like Wild Force, where I'm like, we need to fucking cut some episodes from this shitty ass fucking season, right? Right, right. Uh, no, 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 no. Like this episode is good. It's an enjoyable watch. Yeah, it's it's an enjoyable watch. At the very worst, it's like a seven, right? Um, a couple of funny moments happen in this episode. It's it's a very much a villain of the week. But uh basically a little kid gets a hold of Pam because the Cali nieces figure out eBay and start trading what they deem as space junk for like red paper clip-esque era of internet trading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... Oh, God. The Cali nieces. They end up getting the MAP <laughs> instead of the PAM. And the MAP is make a puppy. <laughs> that was a funny part of the show. My I enjoyed Capri it quite a bit for what it was. Just in general, bring a lot of entertainment to the show. And they bring, like, good entertainment overall. It's, they're, they're, they're fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next episode after this is another episode that we didn't originally include in the filler guide. I don't know why this was never on anybody's radar for the filler guide, but this is Brothers in Arms. This is another Arsenal introduction. And not only, like, an Arsenal introduction, but, like, a villain introduction? This one so, seems kind of important. Yeah, this one introduces the Moto Drone, which is invented by Perry, who is a sort of Rain Man S character who can like is just this incredible genius, but also socially not like there, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have social ability to really like interact with people normally. And but he's like a motocross genius and he's a repairman and he mostly sticks to himself. Uh, what I didn't like about this episode was Blake and Hunter. Blake and Hunter were very like forceful in trying to get like pressuring Perry into like being a repairman for his for their team to try and help get them signed and stuff and all this other stuff. And Perry was like, no, really, I kind of don't want to do this, but if you're gonna make me, I guess. And Perry ends up like coming up with this DNA machine, I guess because he wants to be a, 
Yeah, he's kind of like an anarcho-futurist where he wants to like transfer his consciousness into a mechanical body. Uh, yeah. But it goes kind of awry, and he he like shapeshifts between being a normal human being and being motor drone. And he comes up with this six cycle uh, that he uses himself, and then he has another cycle that he's trying to transfer all of Hunter's DNA to. And Cam ends up re-engineering this motorcycle to be Hunter's new motorcycle, and it has like all these different features that comes in later into the show. And, like, why was this not included in the viewer guide? I don't know. It's a pretty good episode, though. Moto Drone's a really cool villain. Really good introduction. By the end of this episode, Zergane is like, <laughs> I'm going to use these Moto Drone parts that we separated, that was separated from Perry to build my own evil Moto Drone that's loyal to Lothor. So I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great episode. Uh, ultimately, what brings it down surprisingly was Blake and Hunter, but it's still like another 7.5, you know, around that range of episode, maybe even an 8, uh, just because of how good Moto Drone is. Next up, we have a two parter, which is Shane's Karma. I, you... this, this two parter is complicated to me. Shane I... needed this two parter. Yeah, but did it fulfill the purpose? is is like the question to me and to me the answer is only somewhat like yes shane needed this two-parter but in some ways this two-parter ended up doing more for lothor and tori and some other characters than it did for shane <laughs> yeah so like shane it turns out like shane had an unex unexplained event when he was a kid where he saved this ball of light from a spider web from a dark orb coming after it. And he really couldn't like explain it to anyone. So he just thought it was a dream. Like he locked up that memory in his brain. And then he just started having nightmares about it. Let's get into this a little bit because this is this is another example of the season being really horny. And I think this is funny. Like the Rangers have been training super hard. And Sensei tells them hey he like leaves them a note and he says hey um listen i need to do a meditation retreat why don't y'all take a day or two off the training and just chill and the rangers are like yes we have been doing fucking 12 hour days of running and sit-ups like like think like goku and krillin training with the turtle hermit you know like that's like the vibe that they're the rangers are constantly putting off and then the few minutes a day that they're not doing that they're surfing or skateboarding or doing motocross so it's like they're just the exhausted diets of these rangers have to be incredible 10,000 20,000 calories a day probably um yeah like michael phelps diet yeah uh, just uh, like whole ass steaks just being eaten. Just like a dozen eggs for breakfast every day. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, so so uh, Sensei is off spending some time in meditation. And it seems like it might be implied that this is happening because he and Cam have been butting heads a bit. Like, you know, there was the whole lead up to cam being allowed to be a power ranger 
which was like them kind of fighting. And then even after Cam gets his powers, which were now in that time, um, they're still fighting a little. And I don't know, it seemed like it might be implied a little tiny bit that like, you know, he and Cam have been butting heads and Sensei needs to like go meditate and like figure out his own flaws in some of this to some extent. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm reading into it a little bit, but there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that emotional context this season to read into. And they do talk about it a lot, too. So it's it's there. there's a lot of reading vibes this season. Yeah. And but anyway, so for whatever reason, that's just my read. But for whatever reason, ultimately, Sensei's gone and he says, take some time off. So the, the Rangers are like, "Woo, we're going to party. Let's do some fun. And Tori's like, um, it's my birthday <laughs> by chance tomorrow. Because uh, at first, everybody's like, maybe we should just like watch a movie and like fucking order a pizza and lay around. And <laughs> the implications obviously get stoned. Um, and uh, and then Tori's like, um, it's my birthday. And they're like, oh, fuck that lame plan. We're going to the beach. And there's a really interesting line between Tori and Shane where Tori is like, rest up before the party and maybe it'll be a good day or something like she says something really ridiculously implicative of like <laughs> she wants to hook up with shane <laughs> yeah like, i will say though it's nothing more than i would think casual except maybe towards the end you'll see but yeah i think for the most part i think tori is just like hooking up with shane casually yeah, it's nothing serious. It, it it the vibe is that she wants some birthday sex, and she's picked Shane. That is the vibe of the yeah. fucking dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> um, Little does she know. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Shane's got to bang an alien. Um. <laughs> so. The dreams that Shane's been having. So flash forward to like where Grav was slightly ahead. The dreams that Shane's been having. He's gotta he's gotta pursue them. It's getting too weird. And so he's like, uh, I gotta bail on the birthday party. It's something important. Takes off. And Tori is like, what the fuck? This puts her in a bad mood that actually at we at the time were confused by something that I think actually is starting to make sense to me now. Because there's another plot going on in this two-parter. An incredible plot. An amazing plot. Um, <laughs> Mara and Capri need to have their villain high school reunion. They're supposed to host it. And they're trying to set it up over the course of these two episodes. It doesn't even get resolved during these two episodes. That's how big this plot is. Shane's entire childhood trauma, alien secret storyline only takes the two episodes. But Mara and Caffrey's party goes beyond. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> so... <laughs> They're like, Uncle Lothor, remember you said we could have our reunion on your spaceship. And Lothor is like, eat shit. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. That sounds like the worst. So 
they start trying to figure out what else they could do. The only problem is every time they go to Earth, the Power Rangers fuck with them. Now, to be fair, they started it, but also the Power Rangers do fuck with them all the time. So they're like, we'll just go to a quiet beach and set up the, <laughs> the reunion. Wrong place, buddy. <laughs> wrong place. You chose the wrong neighborhood to set up a party. <laughs> and so Tori, who's having a bad birthday, comes rolling over with her crew and is like, the fuck are you doing? Fuck these bitches shit up. And they just wreck their party. <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait a second. Are the Power Rangers the bad guys? <laughs> are they the bad guys in this episode? What's happening? <laughs> There's another really important, this is actually one of the most important segments. Even if Shane himself only benefits minimally from his own story arc, this is like one of the most important segments that has like happened in a while because also introduced is this bounty hunter alien Vexicus. Apparently he and Lothor have fought a few times. And so initially... Vexicus is not there because he cares about Lothor at all. And in fact, uh, he doesn't like get involved right away. And initially, Lothor is also kind of uninterested in Vexicus being there at first. And then later, is like he's sort of helping Vexicus a little bit, but he's also planning to double cross him initially. And then he changes his mind, ends up changing his mind. And ends up appointing Vexicus as his new general because he basically, and he basically just shits on his old generals and is like, y'all aren't doing it. So we're shaking things up around here. Here's your new boss. Vexicus's whole bounty hunter plot, I thought in these two episodes was good. Like he has a very strong design. So Vexicus's whole <laughs> thing is that he's been chasing around this uh, fairy. I suppose, around space and time. Yeah. And her name is Skyla. She's originally a ball of light who Shane originally freed all those years ago. And Skyla was like, I always knew you were the one for me since you freed me from that spider's web where I almost died then. And Shane ends up uh, in, he's like traveling the woods, I guess, right? To get his mind off of things. He, well, it's like, A, he wants to get his mind off of things, and B, he's like, I have to go to the woods into this place I keep dreaming about because he knows it's a real place. Yeah. Like, he's, and he's having vivid enough dreams about it over and over again that he's realized, like, this is a real place. I can go there. Yes. And he ends up going there, and again, the ball of light <laughs> flies past him, and the, the evil orb's there, too. The evil orb reveals itself to be Vexicus. Vexicus ends up duking it out with Shane, and Shane's all like, I'm not a little boy anymore, and no longer am I not a little boy anymore. I'm a ranger. And they, like, duke it out for a bit, but Vexicus is really strong, so he ends up having to escape with Skyla. And Skyla... <laughs> it's like dying GF meme. I wish we could have grown old together. <laughs> <laughs> and got I wish married we could have met and had a honeymoon in Europe and all this other stuff. <laughs> but Skyla but has now, like now I'm a dying alien and we only it, have 30 minutes to fuck. Yeah. So I can give like, you new powers. 
Skyla's like, I can my my whole purpose in life essentially is to pass on my life force to to someone else. And it's done by doing this uh, ritual that involves us banging out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, like, alluded to, not shown on screen, of course. But, uh, yeah, no, dog. Like, there's no screen, other way like... you could read that situation other than being, like, Shane and Skyla have sex off screen. And she ends up turning into, like, a ball of light again that then gets fused into Shane. And Shane manages to, to get out of this. He ends up getting the Battleizer. The Battleizer... I've gone on before about how Battleizers are essentially, like, on a power level scale. It's just like having, like, a mini Zord. Shane's Battleizer gets a lot more shine in this season than it does in previous seasons of Battleizers. Mostly because it gives a lot of utility to Shane, right? Like, he can fly... He has a gigantic laser. The CGI got better also, compared to previous look, seasons. It doesn't look that bad overall other than the plastic abs, which is like this really unnecessary addition that... Party City foam abs, for yeah, sure. Yeah, this really looks dumb, especially because the rest of the Battleizer looks pretty cool and the suits look cool. Yeah. So having sure. this like dorky plastic ab like you just got it off a hulk hogan costume doesn't look good or need to be there at all yeah he has this like uh finisher move uh where he does this like big giant laser beam and this happens a couple more times in the way that the season goes but it's very useful like it kills enemies in one blow if they're not gigantic right yeah and it's cool I, I don't mind it. And Vexicus ends up being brought back to life by Lothor. And Lothor ends up recruiting Vexicus into his team as a general. Even though Lothor is very well aware that Vexicus is prone to betrayal. And Vexicus doesn't undergo any sort of personality change either from being revived. It's not like Lothor immediately puts them under his spell. They still retain their, their personality and mentality. No. But again, he's brought him in to shake things up. So it's it's almost like when, you know, the corporations bring in uh, someone to help them, like, fire a bunch of staff. And that person is just like this icy, untrustworthy individual that like even like the corporate execs that, you know, hired them are kind of like, whoa, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's, the, yeah. that's a little bit of the vibes. Yeah, Lothor is a big supermarket chain and in Canada, and Vexicus is just simply McKinsey. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> so at the end of Shane's Karma, Dustin has a, a, a straight-up uh, uh, Dennis from It's Always Sunny moment where he talks to Tori, and he's putting on like lotion on his face and stuff. And uh, she's like, that's not sunscreen. That's sun tanning lotion. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. I want to look like the bronze god. And he got <laughs> it from Cybercam, which I love. Cybercam gave him this special sun tanning lotion. And it carries over into the next episodes. So we've got Motodrone from episode 25 that gets added into Luthor's arsenal. You got uh, Vexicus. Uh, from Shane's Karma that ends up getting added uh, to uh, Luthor's generals. 
Now you've got Shimazu. Basically, Zergane reintroduces Motodrone, which is a newly reassembled uh, villain from a previous episode, which was Brothers in Arms, but no parry. It's just Motodrone. So it's purely mechanical, and it's evil personality, and it's programmed to follow Lothor and Zergane. Yeah. Motodrone ends up reviving this ancient evil called Shimazu, which is kind of like this wolf demon from, like, Inuyasha. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a very Inuyasha-esque villain, for sure. Not my favorite thing ever. Very underdeveloped, I would think, because what ends up coming out of this is that uh, Cam ends up using, like, these power discs and is able to help the rangers come in and and figure out like how to get the zords to to form into one using this like mini ninja zord that was hidden inside the thunder rangers and is able to then combine into the, like this really good zord and the, the zord designs I have no issues with I think they're freaking awesome in this time around especially as the season goes on where uh Cam is able to add his own samurai star zord into the mix and add that in. I thought that that was really cool too. And yeah, uh, I can't say there were any Zords that I thought were bad. Yeah, very MMPR esque, in fact, especially as the season goes on. Yeah. I thought in general Shimazu is okay. Fine episodes. Again, these are like sevens. I, I wouldn't put anything like too great, but they're good. Is there anything you really want to add to this? No, yeah, they're just, it, it, it's basically just kind of classic romp for the most part. Uh-oh. Monsters, and, like, it's starting to, you know, like, things are escalating is the only thing I'll really say to add to it, is, like, things are escalating, you know? We're reaching that point in the season where um, the villain has realized that beating the rangers is not going to be easy, and they're upping the stakes regularly now, trying to sort of force things to a conclusion. Yeah. Was this the episode with the talent show? Is it Shimazu or is it the... Hold on. Yes, it actually... Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. The reality... Ta- the reality... Ta- yeah, totally, totally talented, dude. <laughs> yeah. So Shimazu returns. The, the A plot is pretty much classic monster romp but the b plot is where the episode really shines and it features the classic 2003 talent show totally talented which uh you know has all the rangers competing to be america's next top talent (laughs) this is fun honestly just uh i don't know It, it gives each ranger like a little chance to shine a little bit in this two-parter yes and not only that but it's a callback to the dragon zord in mighty morphin power rangers where uh cam's cam's weapon that he uses to help beat shimazu is a uh uh, titanus sort of replica but it's an elephant instead of a i don't know like i guess a brontosaurus (laughs) and uh the the rangers are able to like form their zords combine their zords and then put it on top of the mammoth which can only be summoned by a shamisen 
An electric shamisen. They say it's a guitar, but it's definitely a shamisen. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Cam uses the shamisen in the Green Ranger outfit to play a sick riff that calls upon uh, the Mammoth Sword. And I thought that that was so cool. It was an excellent callback. And Yeah, that was, that was good stuff. Not only that, but in the end of episode two, or in the beginning of episode one, when they're like, we're going to go on Totally Talented for the Rangers, uh, they ask Cam, are you jealous? Or, sorry, are you envious? And he's like, no, I'm just green. (laughs) (laughs) God, I forgot. That line was... That was one of the best. This season had some great lines, but that is really a good one. Yeah, yeah. At the end of episode two, they all like, you know, give up. They all show off their talents, and Cam is like showing off with his new electric guitar, uh, sort of skills that he has now, right? Only for all of them to get shown up by the Cali nieces, who do this like whole pop act. And Shane acts like super jealous about this. He's like, we were better than them. This is bullshit. Oh, I'm so salty about this. And Tori's like, Shane, quit your shit. Like, they were actually better than us. Only to find out that the Cali nieces were being Milli Vanilli. They're <laughs> cheating. However, they still decide to just like basically bro it out at the end. Yeah. And then the totally talented host quits. <laughs> yes. After getting electrocuted by uh, some mishap with the uh, boom box that the the Cali nieces were using. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Fun B plot for sure. I think the the B plot really punches up the A plot here. Yeah. Because is not necessarily that interesting, or his uh, minions either. No, I don't really like Shimazu that much, and also like. To an extent, I understand why he was introduced, but I also kind of felt like we have a lot of pretty good generals. Do we really need this guy? Um, And so if you're already feeling that way and then he doesn't turn out to be that cool, then it's just like, okay. Thankfully, you know, this is already the end of the season, right? So Shimazu's coming out episode 28, 29. There's only 38 episodes into the season, even if you don't count any, even if you don't cut any filler. Yeah. So it's kind of already like starting to get really, really late. Next episode we have is Eye of the Storm. Again, this was another Shane needed this episode because although Shane's karma did add to Shane's character in a sort of more positive way and kind of got him to lighten up a bit, Eye of the Storm features Shane's big brother who didn't choose the the Cali X Games lifestyle. Basically, is like, hey, yo, you need to get your life together, dog. You're not, like, 19 years old. You're actually, like, 30. <laughs> like, you should be thinking about getting a house and settling down and getting an actual day job and all these other stuff instead of, like, skateboarding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, Shane has to kind of contend with this, right? Because he's like, if you actually knew what I was doing, you would be okay with, like, me spending my time just being an amateur skateboarder and well, barely right. making a living. Basically, the message of this episode is it's okay to be a, a hippie living their life uh, skateboarding and, 
and doing motocross and all this other stuff and just having fun if your main shtick is that you're a Power Ranger saving the Earth. <laughs> well, but I think the way to interpret that more positively would be that, you know, you don't have to necessarily, like, outwardly have, like, the obvious markers of success. It's more important to be a good person. He knows this and he's trying to live that and he doesn't want to just shove it in his brother's face first of all because he does you know this a certain amount of secrecy but also because he doesn't want to just start bragging like oh yeah well fuck you brother i'm a power ranger like he just kind of wants to be like don't you see that like i am moral yeah and not only that but i am happy because mm -hmm. shane's older brother just basically says like well I just want you to have these things because I know that's what makes my life happy. And I think that, that this would make your life happy. And uh, he basically says, like, as long as you're happy doing your own thing and, and you're not, like, you know, hurting anybody and doing all this other stuff, that's fine with me. Yeah. And Shane's clearly, like, not into hard drugs or, you know, like doing anything overly dangerous other than you know the dangerous things yeah <laughs> yeah i i actually really enjoyed this episode for what it's worth i think it's a good episode because it teaches a bunch of other like moral life lessons and it basically also adds on to what a previous episode did right so like the sensei was just like i need to let cam choose his own destiny Mm -hmm. This is Shane's brother going, I need to let Shane choose his own destiny as well. So it kind of adds, compounds that into the fact that this lifestyle is perfectly okay as long as, you know, you're not hurting yourself and hurting others. Yep. This is a good lesson for Shane and also a good lesson for Shane's brother and also a good lesson for the viewer. And, you know, this is good. And honestly, like, this episode gives Shane the most like personality and like likability. Shane's karma didn't really do it. And like Shane has been kind of annoying. Part of the reason we picked Looming Thunder for worse to go all the way back to that is because the very second episode is supposed to be like a Shane cut your bullshit episode and then one episode later in the filler guide, two in the in the overall Shane's back on his bullshit. It's just like, come on. Yeah, it was really hard for Shane to overcome that second episode. And it really wasn't until like these these Shane's Karma and Eye of the Storm that we really like Shane like punched upward, you know? Yeah. Next up we have general deception. And this is when shit really starts hitting the fan. Big time. So Basically, Lothor is getting fed up with all of his generals. He's getting fed up with Shimazu, Vexicus, and Zergane. And basically, Lothor is like, you guys he all need to get your shit together. Don't get along as a rule. Yeah. <laughs> and this goes to show that, like, individualism never wins out in the end. It's collectivism that will really, like, succeed. That will get you to succeed in life. We're back to the message of the Power Rangers know how to both put aside and embrace their differences and use that to get the job done versus the villains are strong as fuck but can't get along. We're back to that as like a core central message 
which is a good message always. So I think we should go into detail for the for these two uh, for this two parter. Can you take it all? Can you take the lead? Zergain is discussing a plan and is like, all right, like this is how we're gonna get the Rangers. And Vexicus is like, no, like cuts in and is like, no. And like the generals start kind of openly fighting amongst each other, you know, like which is like they've been kind of behind the scenes. Sort of like, yeah, whatever. We'll do your plan this week, Zergain. Fuck you, Zergain. You know, like, like, just like that's been like the vibe. A lot of like at the end of episodes or at the beginning of episodes, you know, where like the villains are doing a lot of talking about what's up. So that kind of turns into like a bit of a thing. In the meantime, like the Power Rangers are getting ready to go camping. And on their way to go camping, they run into some people that seem to be in distress. And of course, like this, this sort of harkens back to the intro where Tori stopped to like check on the distressed old couple, you know, with their car broken down. You kind of know, of course, the Power Rangers are going to stop. Um, but this time it's not an innocent old couple. They're Kelzaks, and this is their gain's plan. And they beat the Kelzaks, but then at the campsite, Bexicus and Shimazu are waiting for them, so they only get about, you know, 10 seconds of rest. This is when my wife realized that uh, this season's a sausage party. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's definitely yeah. the most, like, dude bro season, especially when they're all packed into the car and you're like, oh, shit, actually. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's Tori and a bunch of guys, and and... On the episodes where Mara and Capri feature really heavily, it's not as noticeable because sometimes they're the ones even down on the planet, like transforming the monster or whatever. But like when like an episode like this where there are two part like this, rather, where they're not really as present, it's like all these villains are dudes. All these fucking rangers are dudes. This is a lot of guys here being guys. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dustin makes a choice comment, or he's just, or he asks a question. He's just like, "Hey, why is the sky blue?" <laughs> and Shane doesn't really know the answer because his immediate response is to deflect and go, "Listen, you're an Earth student. I'm an Air student. Worry about why the the ground is brown. How about that?" <laughs> And I'm like, bruh, come on. <laughs> That's some reactionary bullshit, Shane. You know it. <laughs> Cam ends up showing up, even though he wasn't originally going camping with them, just because things are getting so out of hand. And uh, at first, like, the battle's kind of going okay, but then Zergain has a fucking Zord. And it's cool as fuck. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's really like cool. Doomsday all over again. So yeah, good. Yeah, it's a really yeah. I I really like Zergain Zord a lot. This is like it really is Doomsday all over again in a lot of ways. Um, and Zergain Zord is absorbing data from their Zord and their power spheres as they fight. So the Rangers don't realize it, but they're about to get fucked. <laughs> Yeah, basically, um, because Zergain's tanking all the hits. He's not really responding. He's yeah, just he's, analyzing all the data, tanking all the hits from the Zord fights, 
and then uh they're like oh we got him but he's not fully down yet yeah he's just like mostly absorbing the data he barely throws a blow and just like you know he gets all this fucking valuable ass data and he's like i'm gonna own them with this and so the rangers go back to the campsite and they get like a brief minute to chill out they're they're getting like they get like a minute to chill out but zergain got the data he needed so what does he do he makes a fucking zord 2.0 a weapon to defeat metal gear like <laughs> <laughs> and it's even cooler it's actually cooler yeah <laughs> and he not only does he do this but he straight up goes to blue bay arbor like he doesn't even fuck with like being out in the woods and shit he just no. immediately launches the, his zord out in the blue bay harbor and just starts like fucking demolishing like the the city and shit no the the villains this season have been making a point of not really attacking the civilian centers as much up till now which has been both in due to the fact of how the budget has changed around a bit this season with Disney taking the helm. And, you know, ironically, well, ironically isn't necessarily the right word. Uh, interestingly, uh, Disney taking the helm, it sort of has this slightly paradoxical effect because on the one hand, they considered buying the property with some other properties and canceling the show because they were just buying i don't know was this when they bought fox i can't remember even but anyway um they bought a bunch of stuff and they were like do we just buy this stuff and do we cancel power rangers because they're going to keep some shows they're going to cancel some shows whatever and there was a lot of outcry please keep the power rangers and so they were like okay we're gonna move shooting to new zealand and we're gonna like do a bunch of things to cut costs and sometimes that's obvious and like not always for the better like so they end up fighting the villains in quarries a lot in other ways though the season is actually improved by disney taking the helm because disney's vast resources meant that they could do more with less money compared to saban doing it all, you know, in like a little tiny studio and trying to squeeze as much money out of it along the way. Like, Disney had resources. Like, think about how much worse Cybernetic Guinea Pig would have looked if done by Saban, even if Saban spent more money on the season as a whole. And it's because Disney had the resources to animate something like that. Even if he doesn't look that great, he looks okay for the time um yeah and i think the budget really helps towards this end as well because let me tell you this fight is pretty fucking pog um yeah. so zergain's zord fucks up all of their zords cyber cam and regular cam are like trying to get it back together as quick as possible but it's still gonna be a bit and zergain is just like all right if you guys want to hide hide I'll fuck up Blue Bay Harbor then. I don't give a fuck. And Zergain just starts fucking going to town. Like and he's like, I fucked up the Zords. Now I'm gonna fuck up the city. And Lothor's like, yo, Zergain Pog. He's like uh, watching the Twitch stream and shit. And he's like putting the Poggers face on there. Yeah. 
hundred percent. And to be clear, like the goal of Lothor was to wipe out the Wind Ninja Academy. He is not necessarily here. He is kind of here to conquer Earth too, but he's not necessarily here to like. He's fuck a goals-oriented person. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a way to put it. But like, he's not here to like fuck up the Earth in the way of some villains. Like, um, the villains in Lightspeed Rescue made it clear that they wanted to just like destroy the humans in exchange, you know, in 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 revenge for what had been done to them. Um, he's a and- weird mishmash of villains, I would say, because I almost want to say it's almost like Cell, where he wants to be the most powerful evil villain in the universe. You know. Yeah. And the only way to do that is by destroying the Wind Ninja Academy completely and decimating all the good guys, right? Yeah. Almost like a Master Vile type shit. You get the feeling that him, like, taking over Earth would just be this, like, mostly for show thing that doesn't last very long or something. You know, like, that doesn't Mm -hmm. really seem to be, like, something he's actually that excited about. It's just this thing that he's, like... Oh, yeah, and also I'm taking over Earth because, fuck it, I'm here and I want to prove, again, I want to prove that I'm the strongest. So, like, yeah, I agree. That's really, that's just, like, central to who Lothor is. So, their gain is, like, well, if you're going to hide, I'm going to fuck up the city. And, again, this is this is a bit of a, a, a step in a new direction because, initially, most of the anger was pointed direct at the Wind Ninja Academy, which helps to justify the low-budget decision to have most of the fights in a quarry, etc. Uh, it didn't really seem like they were that interested in fucking up like the city or other stuff like that, but now they are, and so the rangers are feeling desperate, and their zords are not in good shape. Basically, as soon as they show up with the zords, Zergain fucks them up completely because he's created his own power sphere. His power sphere basically shits on every power sphere they've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the Rangers decide, well, the sensei is all like, listen, if you don't have your Zords, what else do you have? And the Rangers are like, oh, we still have the, the fucking cycles and shit, dude. How about, and the gliders, why not use that? I'm like, because you're going to get owned. <laughs> But apparently it worked, right? So their plan was to, it's, it's kind of an all or nothing plan when you really think about it. Yeah. Uh, it, is it, to it, bait Zergain out of his Zord to give them enough time to be able to reassemble their Zords and come up with a countermeasure. And to pull that off, they have to accomplish almost like an Attack on Titan style thing with the cycles and the gliders, where it's like, we have to somehow get close enough to his sword and, like, provoke him just right and do all this stuff, you know? It's like, it's this, it's this very daring, it's, it's very cool. It's one of my favorite um, action moments from the season. Probably. I think that the fight it could have been mo- when, a little more Zer- exciting, but like it was still like it was a really fun moment. Yeah. I think that the the fight that happens right after that moment yeah. is well, that's, fantastic. I was kind of including that in my mind, but yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When Zergain 
uh, first of all, Zergaina hops out of his Zord, and Lothor is like, no, you fucking idiot. Stay in the Zord. Because you can just fuck them up like that. And just stomp all around and destroy Blue Bay Harbor. But no, Zergain got baited. So Zergain... Zergain a little bit of like uh, one of those honorable lieutenants like we've seen a few times where it's like he's sort of evil, but he also like he has that sort of chivalric thing where like if you're like Zergain, fight me in a duel one on one, he would just be like, hmm, okay, I have to do it. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. And Zergain busts out of the fucking Zord and 1v6s all of them at the same time. And he fucks them all up. In fact, the only reason why the Rangers were able to get out of this mess is because he took a little bit too long in trying to kill the Rangers. And so they were able to get into their Zords again. Yeah, but it's, it's very close. What I didn't like about this was that afterward, the only reason why the Zords even won, which is how they were able to like get the Zords back to their DevOps, was they used the Elephant Zord again mm-hmm. to like combo uh, to combo again with their with their Zords, and that was how they were able to defeat Zergain's Zergain's Zord. And I'm like, you use the same trick twice. You're kind of like not allowed to do that in storytelling because it's kind of lame. And it was kind of lame in this instance. But I do think that the Zergain 1v6 was fucking pog as fuck. Yeah. After Zergain loses this fight, he retreats. And he's like about to like teleport out of there back onto Lothor's ship. But he knows what's coming to him, which is punishment from Lothor. But Vexicus decides to interrupt this moment of self-reflection of Zergain and just be like, hey, dog, you're not making it back. And fucking mercs Zergain. Mercs him. And Lothor is like, what the fuck, Vexicus? You can't just go murking my generals without my permission. And Vexicus is all like, sorry, I just thought, you know, he failed you one too many times. Make me your, your top general instead. And Lothar was like, hmm, fine. And that's where we leave off at. And it's kind of like fucking like, holy shit, Vexicus. What the fuck? And this is a permanent character death. There's no like revival of no, Zergain. No, Zergain is done. Um, and also, this is kind of scary because we just saw Zergain bring the ranges to their knees. And it turns out Vexicus is stronger than that. So. Uh oh, what's gonna happen now? <laughs> Is Vexicus about to fucking body them? Probably. <clears throat> so next up, we have a gem of a day. What do you know? So remember that whole gem of souls thing. So gem, the gem of souls. This is one of the things about the season that makes the least sense. Grav kind of tried to explain it earlier. I'm not gonna try again. Um, I'm just gonna say that I don't understand why it it came back. Like, Goodwill Hunter kind of <laughs> showed that Hunter still has remorse. They're not remorse, but still processing grief from his parents dying, right? Especially as it's, like, fully resolved now. And it comes back for this episode where basically Cam is looking for a power source to power a new Zord 
that would help him get to Lothor's ship to rescue the other rangers as things start to escalate, right? Mm -hmm. And um, ultimately, like, Hunter... Hunter stashes the fragments of the Gem of Souls by where Zergane died. And Cam initially thought that Zergane's, like, items that was left behind and stuff was causing the radiation, but it turns out it was the Gem of Souls that Hunter was hiding. So this becomes, like, a moment of character development for Hunter. But again, this is episode 35. <laughs> yeah, it's out of 38 I'm like you can't really like it reintroduce this plot device this late of the season should have been a bit sooner probably um for like actually making us like Hunter a bit um more than we ultimately do he's not bad or anything but you know anyway so he yeah he hid the shards because he wanted to be able to try to speak with his parents again his, his deceased parents and so, even though he's supposed to get rid of them, he didn't. And so, anyway, it becomes this whole thing, like you said, because it's Bizer Gaines' corpse and Cam's checking it out. Also, though, because Vexicus wants these Gem of Souls fragments. So, Hunter gets attacked by Vexicus, which ties it into the sort of present of what's going on. They end up uh, taking the Dragon Force vehicle up to Lothar's ship. This is like the only thing that the Dragon Zord does. It's a transportation vehicle to get yeah, to space, right? I, I was trying to I was trying to come up with something to say about that, but yeah, that's the Dragon Force vehicle takes them to space. It's a spaceship. That's all it is. It's a yeah. it's a runabout from yeah. Star Trek. Lothor uh, Lothor has a um Lothor is also showing more paranoia around Vexicus? From the very beginning of the show, Lothor has had most of the students of the Wind Academy trapped on his ship in like a magical trap thing, you know? Like a Shadow Realm crystal bullshit. You know, you know the drill. It's Power Rangers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like... <clears throat> Uh, so Lothar has had the, all the other Wind Academy students trapped. And so this is actually, so initially they're getting struck at because Vexicus wants the Gem of Souls. And then they're kind of deciding to strike back and finally go after the Wind Academy student. This also seems like something that should have been addressed a little sooner. If y'all had the ability to go try to get your fellow students back, why is this the first time you're thinking of this? doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense now i get if you thought maybe you didn't have enough power at certain points or whatever but i would still think by the time you had cam on your team you would be starting to talk about a plan of this sort i don't know anyway yeah especially since blake and hunter had <laughs> knowledge of what the ship looks like yes they had knowledge of the ship which they even use here so it's like they could have used this sooner. It's not like a big deal or anything, but it, it there is like there are some like small nods to the fact that like Blake and Hunter know this ship and know what to do here a little bit. You know what I mean? It's just like I don't know. Oh, and also Cam. The reason Cam is in, ends up infiltrating alone, I also wanted to mention, is because the Rangers get distracted because Lothor 
as he realizes the rangers are close are like on their way to his station or ship or whatever it is exactly he sends a monster to earth and is like maybe this will get them just to like not like board my ship yeah it's uh the condor tron which was a vexicus invention it's a it's a me- it's a mechanical looking condor whatever that's that's human shaped <laughs> um this episode's a little messy right like it's just yeah it'll, this is I, this is the first signs of the 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 show starts to the the story starts to fall off the wheels a little bit yeah ironically this feels like it should have been a two-parter it yeah. felt really rushed and all over the place and like for a season that had so many multi-part episodes you couldn't give a two-part episode to uh rescuing the wind academy students are trying to and having i don't know it, 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 things go on with like hunter and the parents and all it just feels like so rushed like come on don't don't rush this this much i agree especially since the infiltration mission was a was a fail you know yeah it's not like they got the wind ninjas back or the no. thunder ninjas back so it was more of like a state of reflection of like things to come more or less, but they it really should have like drug it into two a two parter versus just this episode, especially since the next episode isn't canon, which is down and dirty. Mm-hmm. So they could have easily made this a two parter. And then to be fair, we really did need another episode for the season finale, which is Storm Before the Calm. Yeah. We have to get into this into detail because I like part one. There is a moment in part one that I'm I'm gonna like rage a little bit about, but we'll we'll get in. We got to get into this. I pretty much was wholly disappointed by this finale, and I'm still trying to decide how much bearing this is going to have on my rating because I want to rate this season very, very, maybe shockingly high. And and this is one of the few things that may hold that rating back, and I'm still mulling that over. It's kind of like an inverse Wild Force, right? Where it's like the last couple of episodes really punched Wild Force up, but in Ninja Storm, these last couple of episodes start to really fall off the wheels a bit. Not bad in a particularly like entertainment perspective, but just like when you really think about it. Some of this stuff really doesn't make sense. Like, I found myself rewinding, especially in part two, to go, wait, why is this happening? Did I miss a detail? But no, it's just kind of like some stuff is just left kind of sort of unexplained as to why things react the way they do. And it's just, I don't want to say it's bad, but I don't know. It It is a very disappointing ending because the season was really good. And so... I just expected more of a strong ending. Like, why why aren't we going to close with a big finale after all we've been, been through? And instead, we just kind of have this weak finale. And it's like, of all the things to try to harken back to from MMPR, this was the thing to lose, you know? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Like. They they make a lot of callbacks to the original concepts, which I'll talk about more in a sec. But 
like in probably in my final review but uh this is this is not an original concept we needed to go back to the week season end that doesn't really make sense at least it wraps everything up you act like this is mighty morphin power ranger season one no it's not season one or season two levels it's not like that <laughs> it's the tommy getting uh tommy getting some action from kimberly while uh zach goes on a date <laughs> and then everything just ends zach's date didn't go very well <laughs> <laughs> What he got the dragon shield, dude? <laughs> oh shit! A new piece of gear at the end of a season. <laughs> it can transfer. That, that makes sense. Okay, so the Rangers are going to the U.S. Action Games to do extreme sports and win prizes, maybe or whatever sponsorships. They're gonna get like yeah. actual money. Right? Like, this is going to be their job, right? This is what they've been working towards all season. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that you go to and you maybe get, like like you said, you maybe get to be a pro after. So they're all going to that. In the meantime, Lothor has decided to open the Abyss of Evil. The Abyss of Evil is this vortex of bad stuff. And it's in Blue Bay Harbor. It just so happens to be by the U.S. Action so, Games. It just so happens to be right next to the U.S. Action Games. This is one of the first things that I don't like about this finale. Is like, don't make it that convenient. There's no reason to make it that convenient. There's no yeah. reason for that. Yeah. And like, all the Rangers are tagging along to go over here. And they're like, really excited because... Um, they really want to do this. They really want to get their sponsorships and all this other stuff. And unfortunately, you know, they have to go be Rangers. And the Kelzaks begin to infiltrate the U.S. action games at first, right? So you have mm -hmm. Cam and one other Ranger. I think it was Blake. It might have been someone else um, who fight the Kelzaks. And this is where I get into, like, my moment of rage. Because there's a moment, right, where they're fighting the Kelzaks unmorphed. And three other teenagers come up to, like, help fight. And Dumb. Cam is like, go away. Like, you don't actually know martial arts. You're going to get hurt. And they're like, no, we want to help. And it's, like, in the most Kiwi accent ever. Heavily Kiwi. Not even disguised. Um, Let us help you there. And immediately. We've got you. <laughs> my my wife goes those are the new rangers for the next season ah and i'm like no stop this sucks what a terrible way to introduce these people if they are the next rangers right because like we've seen it in i don't know if you've seen it personally but i've watched a lot of common rider not a lot a lot but i've watched quite a bit of common rider and when Common Rider does this, it typically happens in a movie or in an, in a, an episode where um, a new Common Rider is shown and they get to show off their base form, right? So, like, this would be, like, if the next morphing team came up and, like, actually morphed into their ranger outfits. 
and you're like, oh, you're Power Rangers too? Oh, what? These are the next Ranger suits? Oh. But no, that doesn't happen. These are just three teenagers, I guess, that are like, we want to help, and they don't actually contribute. Cam's like, get the fuck out of here, and they're like, oh, fine. You know? It's just weird. Bad. It's bad. I think part one in I don't general, like this. I think part one was pretty good and I it was guess. held back definitely by the uh by that part to me. Um it was but, uh, it was also held back by just the too much like, plot convenience for you. Too much plot convenience. Like okay. I just want to emphasize that the Rangers this season can teleport again. We are back to Rangers can teleport. This is not Lightspeed Rescue, where they have to get in a car and drive to the disaster. Okay? Rangers can teleport. When they need to go to a disaster, Cam is back at the control center like, I'm going to teleport you there. Yeah. They didn't. It could have. They could have said that the abyss of evil was on the other side of the planet, yeah. and it would have been fine. Yeah. Also, like the way it's explained is that Lothor has a scroll of destiny that I guess he kept close to his chest, which is supposed to detail the very events of this finale. And he's like, "It's predicted everything so far, and it shows that I'm fucking gonna win." Um, so he like sets off a plan where he gets his Cali nieces to work with Vexicus, but like also kind of betray Vexicus in a bit and infiltrate DevOps. Lothor and the nieces uh infiltrate DevOps, they fuck it all up, they capture Cam. Cam is on Lothor's ship now. The way this all goes down, it's just like so. When Lothor opens up the, the abyss of evil and, and all this other jazz, it's kind of like seen as like, here we go. All of the villains that you knew and love from all the episodes you watched are back and they're here to fight the Rangers again and all this other stuff. And it, it kind of reminds me a bit of some of the scenes kind of play out like the time force ending with Eric and Wes when they were out fighting like just a shit ton of Cybertrons or cyclotrons or whatever they were called and like just getting curb stomped and barely able to make it out. It's like another one of those scenes and you're kind of left wondering like how are the rangers going to make it out of this dude? Ah. As like Cam like gets back to DevOps and gets owned, the sensei gets blasted. Turns out that Lothor's magic blast hurt sensei but made him human again. And this is when we realized that Lothor and uh, Sensei were played by the same actor. Yeah. Which is a pretty neat fact. Um, neat. Yeah. We get into part two at this point, And this is when, like, just the wheels just, like, completely off. fall off. This so, is, like, almost the worst episode of the season. We don't normally consider finales for contenders. So we didn't include it in our consideration, but like... We really also can't include finales in our best and worst considerations, to be honest. Yeah, it, it wouldn't really make sense. This one was like, could have been in the running. 
Yeah, so Lothor betrays his nieces, puts them on the ship, like, restrains them on the ship and puts a ticking time bomb on the ship as well. And the reason why he betrays his nieces is because they worked with Vexicus, but he instructed them to work with Vexicus. And they uh, they clearly ask like, "Why are you doing this? We did what you said." And he's all like, "Yeah, but you still you still worked with Vexicus, and Vexicus I know is out to betray me." Blah 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 blah. And it's like, "Come on, dude." He just wanted an excuse. Yeah. Thankfully, Blake and Hunter. And it's also like I, the show I guess wanted Blake an, and an Hunter excuse. drive the Dragon Zord ship. I to guess the fucking... it's very spaceship and get cam out and then it's, get the west of the wind and thunder ranger or thunder ninjas out of there a lot of it's sort of implied to an extent chubo teleports out of there right before the ticking time bomb hap uh explodes and so they all meet up back in earth and with the abyss of evil open that lothor opened up lothor also has a really cool sword that he uses which is pretty sick the way it's defeated is like they use the so the beetle zord got suicided by vexicus in the previous episode vexicus is like suicide bombed the beetle zord that the thunder zord that the thunder rangers were in the thunder rangers were presumed dead like they're like we can see life form but maybe kind of not really but yeah. then blake and hunter explain that no actually we're alive we just basically escaped in the nick of time out of there so cool the way that the regular zord beats lothar zord is also by suicide bomb but like the way they triggered it is they hit lothar zord with a power sphere that gets lost out of their chest and then that causes like a self-destruct sequence in Lothor's Zord. And it's really lame. And so yeah. Lothor comes down with all of the other villains and goes hand-to-hand -hand combat with everyone. Shane throws on the battleizer, but that's not enough. And Lothor beats his ass. Yeah, um, Lothor basically... Takes the, he takes the samurai amulet and he steals all their ranger powers. Boom. Get fucked. Yeah, and sort of in like a Wild Force-ass ending, which is really weird that we bring that up now. Shane, Tori, and Dustin are all like, you forget, even though we're rangers, we're also ninjas of air, earth, and water. And so they do like air, earth, and water beams out of their fingers, launching Lothor into the abyss of evil where the abyss of evil gets overloaded with evil energy and collapses in on itself, and the rangers have saved the day. Now, this is more justified than the Wild Force ending because, first of all, we, know that they, we knew that they had supernatural ninja powers outside of being rangers. This is established. Also, it's a good sort of... <clears throat> conclusion to the fact that at the beginning the rangers weren't great ninjas and they were sort of slackers and lackadaisical about their training at times 
but now they've taken it super seriously and like they've really mastered their arts and so like now they get to reap the benefits of that you know and like this needed to be like a triple kamehameha like the way the way this was shown on screen yeah sucked. it's it, it, it yeah that's the problem is like it's still just like dorky and like also even as good as i've explained it it's still like a well justified kind of weak ending this needed to be like teen gohan versus perfect cell with a fucking kamehameha beam struggle ass thing you know like it needed to be like that levels and it wasn't it was like three thin beams coming out of their two fingers uh, on each person that like combined together and like fucking launched Lothor into the Everybody abyss. knows Piccolo's attack doesn't look that cool. No, I disagree. Special beam cannon looks really cool. It has know, the just, spiral beam on top of the joke. center beam. No, I will not permit this Piccolo slander. I love <laughs> Put some Piccolo. respect on Piccolo. I'm just making joke. How dare you make a joke on Piccolo Day, May 9th? It's At the May time 9th. of this recording. It's May 9th. It's Piccolo May Day. May 9th is Piccolo Day. How <laughs> dare you? When's Vegeta Day? So the action games reopen. The Rangers graduate from the Wind Ninja Academy. So let's go over the endings for these Rangers, right? So Cam and Sensei are still kind of like the administrators of the, the Wind Academy, right? But before we even get to that, so Hunter is like, I'm going to be the sensei of the Thunder Ranger Academy. And I'm like, that's cool. You go do that, Hunter. Blake is like, I got signed by Factory Blue. I'm going to do motocross and tour the world. And he's asking Tori. He's like, Tori, will you come see me? Ooh, And Tori's like, yeah, of course. I'll be there for you, Blake. And then Shane... Uh, Dustin wins third place at the Action Games, so he's got a couple sponsorships. Shane's got a sponsorship for his skateboarding, though he didn't win any trophies. And Tori's like, great, guys. That's awesome for you all. Dot, dot, dot. And then nothing happens with Tori until the very end of the episode where it's then revealed after all of those scenes, because they transition from the action games over to the Wind Ninja Academy, where it's then revealed that Tori, Dustin, and Shane become Wind Ninja teachers. And they have these really intricate robes now. And that's awesome, and I'm happy for all of them. But what really should have happened was Shane and Dustin went to go do their own things. <laughs> And, you know, take a couple years off from being ninjas or whatever and have Tori take over as sensei. Because Tori, time and time again, has shown that she is a proficient ninja and much more proficient than Dustin and, and Shane. But fuck Tori, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating, especially because this is such a male-dominated season and it's like, you're not gonna you're not gonna take your one leading woman here, Tori, who has like really done an amazing job this season and is one of my favorite Rangers this season. You're really gonna take her and you're gonna shit on her. Like, you only have the one woman here. 
you're really not. This is not a good look. Ha ha! <laughs> like, I'm surprised they weren't like, oh, Shane and Dustin became teachers at the Wind Ninja Academy and Tori became a, a, a housewife. Like, that's, that's almost like the level of like shitty that they try to do her here. This sucks. Yeah, she and like she couldn't compete in the action games because it never took place in the beach. Mm hmm. Not her fault. So like she got shafted. But that's Power Rangers Ninja Storm. Ranger rankings. Let's do the Thunder Ninjas. Hunter Blake. Blake is unfortunately one of the worst this season. You think so? And it's only because he never gets a chance to shine. Yeah, but I think like when he is on screen, he's great. I don't think that there was ever outside of Goodwill Hunter. I mean, to be clear, he's not <laughs> like a he's great. He's not like a C or D character in my mind. He's like a probably like a low B, but he's just like an unexciting low B. And so he's kind of near the bottom ish of the of the pack for me. I I want to like him more because the actor is really good, and there's something about his character that I like. But he never. He never gets fully developed. He's Hunter's younger brother who also is in the motocross and also is in the ninja stuff and also had the same dead parents that Hunter has that Hunter spends more time like actually processing on screen. You know, Blake's the better actor, though. Yeah, no, for sure. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know that I necessarily rate hunter that far above or even necessarily above though i think they're the same they're i think like they're roughly both low the same. like hunter gets a little more screen time but he's not quite as fun as an actor or a character blake is a more fun actor and character but doesn't get screen time they're both low b's who else is a low b shane i don't think shane's a low b i think shane's a high b to me he's like those three are just like the bros you just lump them into one group they're low b's they're all fine but they're just like these dude guys i think <laughs> eye of the storm eye of the storm really like pushed shane higher than blake and hunter for me so i would give shane high b it's still a b but it's a high b see whereas for me eye of the storm brought shane up to their level he was going to be my worst ranger Ah. So, okay. similar similar response, but just slightly different, you know? <laughs> I think after that, I think very high B or low A is Dustin. I think Dustin's A. Like, definitely yeah, not he's S, low but a. he's definitely low A. Low a. He's yeah. low A, yeah. The bronze um, god! <laughs> the he's only the himbo thing that really lets him down is that they just don't write his character entirely consistently. Actually, I'm going to take this back though. You know what? I'm going to take this back for Dustin's a high A, and I'm going to justify this, because actually Dustin... He's the best stoner representation? He's a fun character, and but he goes through a lot of personal growth during the season. Like I said, the other characters mostly get to achieve their goals with less effort, but Dustin is consistently thrown roadblocks for his dreams, and that makes him consistently a character that you like and empathize with i think he is i can agree that he's probably high a i didn't consider the getting good at motocross over the course of the season 
as like a part of his character development. But I think when with you that really added think on, about all the scenes at the shop, you know, all that stuff, like tie all that in. Like Dustin really gets the love, and he's he the actor does a great job, and it just works, you know. Yeah, Tori, where are you putting Tori? I think Tori's about the same. I, I think, think Tori's low A. For, she for doesn't me, she's get about enough the same, and it's she would be higher if she had more screen time. One hundred percent. I have a feeling she's, that when we go over the filler, it's going to be more Tori, and we're I gonna... really hope there's a couple of Tori episodes in there that would justify the way i feel about her but she is consistently the most likable character from the beginning yeah she is very empathetic towards others she's a peacemaker she's also smart and technical but she's not like a nerd which is like she contrasts really well against cam because like cam is a nerd and will occasionally try to like throw that in their faces a little bit and tori will be like i'm smart too cam I'm just not a fucking asshole. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. there's like a little bit of like playfulness between them. There's there's a lot of playfulness between her and Shane and a lot between her and Dustin. And in the end, like, really what solidifies me feeling like she's also a high A is that she ends up being the character that every other character plays off of for their interesting development. And so every time anyone else is like really developing, Tori ends up being in the center of it to some extent. And like that means that she's always, even though she never really gets like the spotlight, she's always getting a lot of like great dialogue. She's quipping at people. She's like being thoughtful. She's being funny. And she's just really like, the most instantly charming and one of the most long lastingly charming characters of the season. Yeah. She, to me, she's a low a, I, I have a feeling though. I have a feeling that she could probably make it to high A's with the filler episodes. Cause I did watch one of the filler episodes and she was really strong in it. So we'll, we'll see. Cam. Cam's a, a just barely an S. He is yes! like, yes! he is like, he yes! is like, he's like <laughs> that person who like pole vaults over the pole and like you can see them almost touching it. And the judges are like, we have to determine if he touched it. We're going to review the footage. <laughs> Am is just above Jen for me. It passes the gem hurdle. Cam is Billy X Tommy in one character. The only faults I have with Cam is that he is in one season and one season only. And unfortunately, it's lighthearted. It's a, ultimately most of this season is lighthearted. I also and I feel like if you put Cam in a more slightly more serious season, he would fucking start blowing past the rest you would I, see him blow past eric you would see him blow past jason we would be talking about contentions with tj yeah for me i don't even know that he passes jen like he might be the new where s starts for me even but he does just barely make it in and i think the only thing to me that really lets him down is that at times, he's just a little too one note. 
And what saves him from falling into that completely is Cybercam. Um, without Cybercam, he'd probably just be a high A. But Cybercam helps to develop his personality, both because we know that Cybercam is sort of an extension of him. So everything that Cybercam does, it's like if, you know, an alternate version of you was out for the day and you got to observe them. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 still like you. It's still formed from your experiences. You know, Cybercam has Cam's memories and traumas and things like that. And that's what informs him. And, you know, so it's like it's an extension of his character directly. And then also the way they interact is important, too. And so I think without Cybercam, I don't know, because he can be a little one note. But with Cybercam included, he definitely just barely reaches that S tier. Now, give him a little bit more just absolute ballsy, crazy episodes like Tommy had. And it wouldn't even be a like thing where i'm kind of waffling about it anymore i'm you gonna know? push back on some of your criticism i think the one notedness was definitely kind of prevalent pre green ranger i think post green ranger they do try and call him out on him being one note they're like cam <laughs> what the fuck man aren't you like this way and he's like actually i'm this way and fucking rules the episode constantly like, I feel like Cam a does bit, have those pushbacks think, a lot. I just think it that we don't get enough of it. Like, like when it was Tori's he, birthday, he was like, "Yeah, I." You thought like Cam was gonna stay at home or whatever. He's like, "Nah, I'm here for the ride. Let's go." For the camping, it was the same thing. For the the talent show, the no, same he, thing. He stayed out of the camping. He did stay out of the camping, but he didn't stay out of it because he wanted to. He needed to monitor the situation. I that know, was going but that still that still adds to his like, oh, Cam's the guy at the computer while everybody else is doing stuff. Like whether it's intentional or not, in terms of like he wanted to, or et cetera, it still adds to that sort of like that's what Cam does. My and two counterpoints are you know the talent show. <laughs> which was amazing and hunter in storm before the calm we didn't really get over this but the whole reason why hunter was at the action games wasn't because he was invited or competing but because he was trying to pick up chicks and uh, everybody was like cam what are you doing here i was like i'm gonna wingman <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely like a shining moment but again that's coming really late in the season i think it's one of those issues for me you know where like i suppose just give me a little more fun cam a little hey, sooner and i don't think it would feel I as was, weird i but thought i it. was gonna have to fight tooth and nail for you to believe in the s rank no and the fact no, that i didn't there. have to fight tooth and nail for the s rank i'm like yes <laughs> no he's there he's there because ultimately like you say um, at his best, he's Tommy and Billy combined. You've got action hero and, you know, your smart, strategic guy. And it's a good combo put together in a way that really harkens to, you know, what we kind of hoped we might get in Zio at one time. So it's oh, hard my. not to love it. No, my only <laughs> problem with Kim now is... Uh... The fact that he's only contained until one season, because that that suit is so fucking cool. 
Yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad we don't get more of Cam. Um, it's too bad that we don't get more of most of these characters, really. Um, so, but anyway, you don't really All see right. people talking about this season much, too, <coughs> which I think is unfortunate. So let's get into our final reviews. You want me to start? Yeah, you go. Uh, I'm giving it a 9.0. Okay. Uh, this is on the same level as Power Rangers in space. In space, I felt definitely had some really like terrible, just outright terrible episodes, particularly the 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 tank that like just destroys everyone and destroys the entire arsenal, and like that's what the episode's about. I distinctly remember that. Um, also, the Justin episode. But I think overall, it was really a lot of strong character development that season and stuff. The, the difference between that season and particularly this one, and also in contrast with the shitty season that is Wild Force, is that there was good character development. I wouldn't say it was great or really strong, but on an entertainment level, this is the most consistently entertaining season that we've had, right? Where like every episode we're like, hey, it's pretty good. Let's watch the next one. Oh, this one's also pretty good. Let's watch mm -hmm, the next one, mm -hmm. you know? So like, all of that I felt, even though it was mostly sevens and eights a lot of the time, like a few little dips to a six or maybe like a, a nine or something above occasionally, what really helped it was the fact that we had a lot of multi-parters. We had a lot of like subtle character development that as time went on, the show sort of added to it. And like you were saying, especially with Dustin's character, it helped a lot. Main issues, they really fumbled the ending. And sometimes it was just too lighthearted to a detriment where Shane in particular felt out of place in certain moments. Mm -hmm. um, but on the positives, mm -hmm. like not only were the episodes really good and a lot of the Rangers were really good, because I don't think this is like the highest, like in terms of like, mean right the average of ranger rankings this is like the highest we've ever done the, the average, average rankings really is yeah. a right yeah. like a low a or even like a high b maybe this is going to be like no, fallout like new a, vegas on metacritic anyway where it's like an 89 instead of a 90 and then yeah. they miss out on a bonus <laughs> yeah right so like you have a really strong cast maybe not the greatest cast of all time but still a really strong cast thoroughly entertaining episodes the strongest average rankings for the villains. Lothor is easily top three, right? You've got yeah. Rancic, yeah. Rita, 100%. and Lothor. Mm -hmm. um, Lothor is consistently funny, entertaining on screen, just on-screen presence, a lot mm -hmm. of charisma, has a story significance to one of the characters <laughs> that holds true to the very end. And they do a lot with it, you know? Yeah. All that stuff is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the side villains, Vexicus is really good. Chubo mm -hmm. from out of nowhere coming out with the Majin Buu-like villain in here was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Zergain whooping ass was really good as like Mara the Goldar. and Capri, consistently entertaining. Yep, the Kelzaks have a strong design and play a big part into the season two. D fucking Motodrone. Like, literally got introduced with 13 episodes left and became yep. awesome, too, in the short amount of time that he got, which I think he only ended up surviving for 10 episodes because 
Vexicus killed him off too. So there was a really interesting moment I found with Lothor towards the end as well that we didn't discuss, which was uh, Lothor called out Zergane. It was like, Zergane! And it was like, wait, right. Zergane isn't alive anymore. Vexicus. <laughs> and like, you kind of got a hint of like sadness <laughs> from that. So yeah, the Cali nieces, uh, they, were, they were great too. Um, one of them's definitely going to get with the Yellow Ranger, uh, Dustin. <laughs> they were like crushing on Dustin hard towards the end. All of it came together. And although it had a it really like stumbled the ending, most of the season was great enough to like punch it up to a 9.0. I wouldn't give it any higher than that, though. Because I still think you have like... Not only is it a little bit too lighthearted at times, but on top of the, the ending fumbling, Shimazu kind of goes nowhere either. Yeah. I think that's where I'm landing. What about you? I think that this is a tough one for me because there are some flaws I could point to for sure. But, like, everything is going to have some flaws. And, like, I think it was during our Lightspeed Dressing Review probably. You were like, what's it going to take for you to give a season a 10? And I said the same thing. Like, everything's going to have some flaws. I'm, you know, I've, I'm not looking for something that's flawless. I'm just looking for something that hits all the right notes and is consistent. That's the season for me. This is a, this is a 10. I know that that's ah. going to maybe surprise some people. I know that there are people on the Power Rangers discussion forums that maybe don't agree with me. I don't care. I don't read that much of that stuff. Um, I think that they took the idea of Power Rangers and they recaptured it in a meaningful way here where they looked at what makes Power Rangers work? What makes Power Rangers tick? What makes Power Rangers interesting? and exciting and compels people to want to keep watching it and i really think that they honed in on a lot of the super important stuff and that for all the things that they didn't do right they did so many things right that i just don't i don't really want to complain much like like you said it was hard to stop watching it in general every episode it was like this is fun let's keep going even like my friends that I showed it to that don't always like the Power Rangers when I make them watch some of it, were pretty consistently like, hey, are we going to watch more Ninja Storm? And I was, like, <laughs> I, I was like, I don't know. I get to watch it all for my podcast and it's kind of on a schedule. But, you know, but, 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 they, but, but, they, but they were like, you know, they were interested. That was cool. That was fun to get like a, a really easy positive response from people like that it's an and easily recommendable like, season yeah that's the thing like i i feel like more so than any other season that i've even liked this one i could just tell someone hey put this on and yeah. just rock and it's just fun and it's enjoyable it's relatable i don't know i just think that's like the uh in many ways, it's like at least so far of what we've seen, it's like the pinnacle of trying to capture this idea that, you know, 
a group of people who learn to work together and harness their own inner abilities and trust their friends can defeat evil that's much greater than themselves I and think... much more powerful than themselves on paper i can and, see why you rated it a 10 yeah uh, and i'm not going to discount that because i can see why others would rate it a 10 too i think the problem with me in this season is that it's not that deep like it captures the essence of power rangers but what it does like it executes the idea of power rangers great but it doesn't have any sort of deep ideological tones underneath any of this, right? Other than like collectivism is better than individualism. Outside of that, there's nothing really like compelling that I find to it. It's entertaining as from a television standpoint, but I, I struggle to rate it anything above a nine just because of that, that fact, I think. Because like, Time I... Force had like capitalism is bad <laughs> and the the morally right thing to do isn't necessarily the legally right thing to do. You know, Lightspeed Rescue had the whole like saving people is a fantastic thing to do and you should try and and do it whenever can even if it might be dangerous and risky. And you know, just a couple more like good sort of like deeper philosophical life lessons in this. Compared to this one, this one's way more lighthearted. Well, um, I mean, it's somewhat more lighthearted. I have to push back at least a little and say, I think that, like, your nine is plenty justified, and I'm not trying to change it. Like, I could understand, you know, saying back at you where, like, I can understand why someone would give it a nine easily. There are things to critique and when you're making distinctions at that level you know it a lot of times comes down to relatively small and somewhat personal things sometimes but <clears throat> where i would have to push back at least a little on like the philosophical themes is like cam and his family and especially his father and like the themes of like family and like what it means to accept your family and what Even it means when to like shitty. let you're go right of stuff there's like yeah. a whole there's like a whole lot of stuff and that's reinforced with Shane. So that's actually a lesson. And they even reinforce it a little bit just with like some stuff that Tori and Dustin go through, even though it's smaller. So like there's a continual reinforcement of that. And there's also a bit of like <clears throat> you really have to work at your dreams. You can't just wait for them to arrive. Is like another theme that they managed to like convey relatively well not perfectly because they sort of dropped the ball in regards to Shane gets things too easily and Tori doesn't get enough even though it seems like she's trying you know and like some things like that but still there's this overall theme throughout the season of like and Dustin especially really exemplifies this well of like you know you have to work towards the things that you want you have to put the work in and I think that's good too, you know. I can see I could see that, but tonally it's not treated as such. It may it's treated as such for towards the end, right? Like Eye of the Storm for sure of uh, what you're saying and Storm Before the Calm, I think treats those a little bit more seriously than 
some of the other episodes that involve that that those yeah, sort of but life even lessons. From the beginning, like the the like the second episode is about them needing to like work harder and then fighting about why they're not being a good team. You know, like but it's goofy. <laughs> it's it's kind of goofy, but it's still like there's still this ongoing theme. You know, from episode one, it's like they're the slackers that are barely cutting it. Cam's like, and then they become the why are we giving the them the Power Rangers, you know, powers? And and Sensei's like, because we have to. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And then by the end, they're the masters and they're teachers at the academy. And they don't just earn that in the intro and the outro. They earn that one step at a time all the way through. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's Power Rangers Ninja Storm. Any closing thoughts, Kennedy? Nah, this is a good. This is a good time. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a season that I'm gonna buy as a gift for my son in Hell the yeah. future. I think he's gonna really enjoy this. Uh, right now, he's already got Lightspeed Rescue, so when he's done with that and everything, and maybe when he's being a good boy, I'll get him a uh, Time Force, and then the next time I'll get him Ninja Storm. Uh, definitely. In my list of recommendations, I also want to make note that uh, there's no crossover with Wild Force, which makes Wild Force the most skippable season of the bunch, where realistically you can just watch like reinforcements from the future and Forever Red and never watch anything else about Wild Force ever again. <laughs> wow. So, very, very happy about that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm tempted to say that the only canon episode of Wild Force is Forever Red. We reinforcements from the future like definitely <laughs> wraps up a lot of those characters though. Especially if you're invested in Time Force. I'm excited for Dino Thunder. I think Dino Thunder mm -hmm. is a season that we constantly get recommend like guests are like constantly are like you got to bring me back for Dino Thunder. You got to. It's an amazing season. You know, so I'm looking forward to it. And shit, man, Disney started right off the gate with like a nine. How many Mighty Morphin Power Rangers season one didn't have that? Lost Galaxy wasn't that. I mean, you if know? we average our scores, it's a 9.5. So like, damn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So really excited to see what's next from Disney with Dino Thunder. So hell yeah. And we'll see you guys next time on Sentai Truther Club. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you. <laughs>